Don't act on emotions. The emotions can really can destroy you. So you have to control the emotions of the mind with your intellect. Use, lend your emotions, but don't become emotional. Use your emotions. You can tell someone off, knowing that you have to tell that child off or someone. But don't become emotional. You can't think clearly if your emotions take over. It clouds your judgment. Be in full control of your emotions. Don't be a victim of your emotions. When you're emotional, you do things, act in certain ways that you regret later. You can even kill someone. Crimes of passion. What is crimes of passion? What is passion? Uncontrolled emotion. Rest of your life is finished. That's the extreme side. Uncontrolled emotion. There are different qualities and textures to emotions. Any questions on mind, intellect, emotions? Does that make clear? You know the difference between controlling emotions and uncontrolled emotions? It's like uh, impulsive behavior. You react. You can use your emotions for positive, but you need to be in control of them. You can't just react. You say things, you do things, which you regret later. That is uncontrolled emotions. I think one perfect example right now is the what happened to Caroline Flack. Caroline Flack. Mm -hmm. She passed away last night. Uncontrolled emotions. What was it? Simple things she did. Or the case was simple. But still, the minutest things can take you over the edge. Uncontrolled emotions. I, so, bhakti is from emo, more emotional. Devotion. Devotion, sorry. So, is that the. Can that also be taken to an extreme, or is it that it's a good emotion to have and therefore it should be encouraged or. It's okay? Any uncontrolled emotion is not okay. Even that devotion has to be controlled. And any Sittal is saying, what about devotion? It still has to be controlled, the devotion, towards whoever. Imagine you have devotion to your parents. Yeah. You still have to control that devotion to someone higher, uh, your teacher, or to God. 
Yeah, these are different forms of devotion. Anything to any devotion is anything higher. Love towards anything higher is devotion. But you still have to control it. But it's a good emotion to have. Yes, absolutely. There is good and bad emotions. It is m more mind-led, though, than the intellect-led, isn't it? Yes, but it's, the, it's an emotion to something higher. You're giving that feeling that the, the, to something higher. It's not uncontrolled, is it? I am a devotional person. I'm going to go to the temple and pray today. I'm going to pray all day and night until I reach that state. I'm going to give myself and stay in this temple. That's uncontrolled. It's been unreasonable. You give up all your duties, everything, and just suddenly you just say, this is what I'm going to do. Uncontrolled devotion. How do you know if you're controlling it or not, though? That's down to your intellect. It's in different for different people. <coughs> you're giving up all your obligations just to pray all the time and it's uncontrolled. There's a fine line. Anyway, we're talking about something specific here. We're saying generally that any emotion has to be governed by the intellect. Thinking, thought has to go behind that emotion. Otherwise, you can get into trouble, no matter what. That's what we're saying. Then one of the emotions we covered was love. What is true love? True love. Love for everything. Unconditional. Unconditional love. Unselfish. Unselfish. Feeling of oneness with all beings, all animals, the whole world, the entire universe. Love is nothing but identification. This is just a recap from the last couple of classes. Love everyone like you love yourself. Like, love everyone the way you love different parts of your body. You then live a happy, peaceful life. Just how you love your hands. You love everybody's hands. You love everyone in the same way. When you feel different from others, then you deprive yourself of pure love and you suffer. This is a law. What is the difference between love and attachment? Love and attachment, what's the difference? Attachment is when you're, oh, sorry. It's okay. when you're putting your happiness in someone else's hands, you're too caught up in that okay. anchor. Your own. Conditioned love. So then what is love? Unconditional. Unconditional. You love me, then I love you. You don't love me, then I don't love you too. <laughs> when love is polluted with selfishness, it is attachment. When, is it, when attachment is rid of selfishness, it becomes pure love. You know the formula, love plus selfishness is attachment. Attachment minus selfishness is love. 
attachment is preferential. Love is universal. I love everyone, pure and selfish. What happens when you're attached? Get affected. You get affected. Becomes torture. Why does it become torture? What happens? You can be attached to anything, not just necessarily a human being, objects. Whatever happens to that object or being, it happens to you. Love frees you, attachment binds you. You have pure love, you're in heaven. We attach to f family, business, money, reputation. All these produce sorrow. We get stressed out. Doesn't mean we do not have or enjoy any of these things. It's the attitude we're talking about. That minus, my child, my money, my house, my car. So how do we overcome attachment? What did we say? How do you become unattached? Similar? It's on the tip of your tongue. How do we overcome attachment? Develop universal love. That's what we said. Identification. How? How do we develop the identification? Self in Ultimately, yes, but we're not there. So through knowledge, understanding of life, by studying the subject, we get a greater view of what life is, get greater understanding. I'm here for a limited time as this form. Let me make the most of life by fulfilling my purpose. Let me learn to develop myself, become a better human being. Let me eliminate hatred within. Expand your love from the family unit to gradually all beings. This is universal love. And the Sittle said, have an understanding that everything is the self. That's the goal. But the journey to get to that goal is, is um, slowly developing yourself. We said any form of attachment is bad for you. It's mental bondage. So we described attachment. How did we describe attachment? What is it like? What did we say attachment was like? Anything you want here? So, no. so you can say attachment is like, it's a mental bondage, yeah? But in physical terms, it's like you tying yourself to this table to your chair. Wherever you go, you have to take this with you. Similarly, you carry with you everything you're attached to mentally. Anything you attach, you carry with you mentally. This an example is like you being tied to this table and chair. You're attached to your car, it's like you tying the car to you, taking it everywhere with you. If you want to enjoy anything, you have to be detached. Then we said kindness. 
So many gods, so many creeds, so many paths that wind and wind, while just the art of being kind is all the sad world needs. That's a quote from a Brit English poet. What does that mean? Hmm? So many gods, so many creeds, so many paths that wind and wind, while just the art of being kind is all the sad world needs. What does that mean? It means uh, like so many gods, but kindness is the highest. It's the only thing you need. That's all. If you develop that, it doesn't matter. The world gets caught up in everything else, doesn't it? The world gets caught up. You get caught up. It's what makes us different from animals. More higher, more supreme. We can be kind. It's like Kindness is compared, it's like the fragrance of the rose. Rose gives fragrance. Similarly, <coughs> kindness is something we need to develop. You cannot be spiritual without this quality. So many gods, so many religions, rituals, so many practices, it's so complicated. All you need is kindness. So that doesn't mean you start giving or being kind of. It's an internal feeling, not just an external act. Sometimes you have to be cruel to be kind. You may have to smack your child. It's not listening. It wants to cross over the road, run across the road. You may have to tell it off. You're being cruel to be kind. Surgeon cuts someone's stomach, the act is cruel, but it is to save his life. So it's not the act, it's how it, what the internal feeling. It's an attitude. You give money to a beggar, but you're feeling no kindness to him, no identification. It's just an external act. It depends on your intentions, your feelings feeling within. That's the uh, last week. Any questions on that? So, you have to develop universal love and kindness. It doesn't happen just like that. Yeah, slowly you have to uh, understand life. So the next quality we're looking at, next emotion, is pity. What is pity? Anyone? Pity. What is pity? Feeling sorry for someone else. Feeling sorry for someone. Any other description of pity? Pity? Feeling sorry for someone. Why would you feel sorry for someone? How would you, in, in what context? Example. Feel pity for them, someone that living on the streets. Okay. Someone that doesn't see, that's walking blind. Feel pity for them as well because it's common sense. Okay. Any other examples? What pity? We can't help them. That's why we feel like sad inside. You feel sad. You can't help them. Okay. Comparison. Comparison. Can you expand on that? Comparison. When you see somebody uh, that. Uh, 
you <coughs> see that they don't have or they are not able to do where you are able to have and able to do. Okay. You feel sorry. You feel sorry for them. Yeah. Okay. Any other examples? Pity? We're just getting some ideas from everyone before we um, discuss what that is. Okay. Who's reading Pity? Slowly <laughs> and clearly. Pity is a feeling of sympathy for the suffering of others, an impulse of sorrow for their misfortune, an immature emotion, a human weakness. Some people spend their life trying to please others, consider it cruel to break another's heart. They yield to weak pity and torture themselves catering to others' feelings. You cannot live your life thus merely feeding others' emotions. Your character lies in upholding your intellectual conviction through your life's journey and not letting yourself be victimized by weaker emotion. Thank you. So what's that saying? What is pity? It's emotion. A weak emotion. A weak emotion. You should not suffer from a weak pity. It's an impulse feeling, a surface emotion, a human weakness. Some people spend entire life to please others. Cruel to break another's heart. You live life for others. Pity is another emotion that comes from the mind. You cannot live life feeding others' emotions. It's an impulsive feeling. Surface emotion, a weakness. Why, why do you think that is? Why is it saying it's a weak pity? Why is it a weak emotion? It's your emotion or someone else's okay. life or something which you have no control over effectively. Yeah. But you're making decisions based on that emotion. So you're effectively if you can't help them you're torturing yourself, aren't you? You're feeling bad for someone else. But you're feeling bad within. I know people might think, why <coughs> why shouldn't I feel pity for other people? Next next paragraph we're gonna discuss that. I should feel pity. Anita, don't look at me like that. <laughs> She's having pity on you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking. It's a knee-jerk knee reaction of the mind. It's similar to when you hit your knee and it's an mm. emotional reaction. And the mind cannot control that until you are able to control yourself. Yeah. You feel pity for someone. They're not asking for your pity. Are they? Yeah, but it's automatic. <coughs> yeah. The mind, everything is automatic. <laughs> That's why I'm saying it. When you have impulsive feelings, uncontrolled. Yeah, but you're also feeling for... Uh, pity can also be because a person's in such a state, they don't know how to come out of it. Therefore, you're feeling pity because you don't want them to be in that situation. And you feeling pity, how does it help them? Something might click and you might be able to find a way to help them. That's different. 
So even out of pity, you might find a solution. That's then that's not a bad emotion. Okay, fair enough. No, she's right. Everyone feels pity. Well, that's what we're discussing here. But how does you feeling pity help someone? This is the question. What you're saying afterwards is different. That isn't pity. Helping yeah, someone... Because through pity, you're getting that solution. But if you're not feeling that emotion... So she's saying... Anita's saying that if you feel pity, then you can help. Well, if you don't feel that pity, you, you may not be able to help. Is that similar to being angry when you're telling off a child, you're kind of utilizing the emotion to do something. So I guess it's not t in it by itself. Yes, it is a weak emotion if you don't do anything. But if you then use it to do something, then I don't see it as a weak emotion. So what's the difference between the two you just described? Obviously, it needs to be something that needs to be happening. One support. Action. Where does it become a selfish action because you're feeling pity and you're doing something to satisfy the feeling of pitiness effectively. So you're not doing it. See, what Rishi said is right. You use it, what he said was you feel pity, but then the second half of what he said was that you're then using that emotion to do something constructive. That's where the intellect comes in. You're then using that emotion the intellect comes and says, I can help. How can I help? That's different. But that initial feeling of pity, you see someone on the street, as you said, and you're walking by and you're just saying, oh, how sad. He's on the street, he's got no home, and you're carrying or walking by. How does that help him? You stop and then you say, you know, I need to help that person. Let's see what he needs. That's not pity. Now you're being constructive. That comes under charity. But the initial emotion of pity is not helping anyone. It's a weak emotion. This is what they're saying. What you're saying is right, but you see the difference. When you use that emotion, then it's controlled by the intellect. You're converting <coughs> that pity into something else. You're converting into charity, and being unselfish, helping, etc. That's the difference. You're all right, but we're not, we've never, un, we've never, understood what pity is, just a feeling that happens. We've never analyzed it. This is what we're doing now. And I think as you say, it's impulsive. impulsive. So it's just something you observe and you feel pity. But let's say a good example could be like, you know, you see environmental issues and you think, oh, the sad state of earth, but you don't change your habits or yeah. you don't take any actions to what you can do rather to Ch to change to anything yeah. yeah there's two types isn't it one supportive and one non-supportive one is an un uncontrolled emotion yeah and one is a controlled emotion mm -hmm. but pity doesn't come into it uh, into it the second one it converts into charity or something unselfish or you want to help someone What about in China is happening, like coronavirus? We can't help them, but uh, we still feel it for them. So what kind of... Was it still pity, but not helping them? Okay. Um, Ravi, second paragraph. It's Sorry, it's Rishi, isn't it? Rishi, sorry. Okay. 
This weakness stems from ignorance of the general plan of nature. The world is meticulously programmed by the principle of cause and effect. Every effect has a cause and cause and effect. You reap what you sow, you get what you deserve, not what you desire. It is the law of action, the law of karma. When a pitiable scene confronts you, let your intellect assess it and control your surface emotion. Do not let your emotion cloud your intellectual judgment. Thus must you act with discretion. Your action then befits the situation, what the situation demands. Okay, what does that, what does that say? Hmm? Anita, what does that say? Welcome back, Anita. <laughs> we missed you. <laughs> it's the law of the world of nature, isn't it? What goes around comes around. The pity, weakness stems from ignorance of the general plan of nature. The law of life is cause and effect. Now to your question, Bella, you said what's happening in China. We don't know what, this is the effect of some cause. We don't know what that cause was and we don't, this is the effect of it. Sure, people are dying. We don't know what's going on, why this has happened. So it's an understanding, this is life. Law of life, cause and effect. You reap what you sow, you get what you deserve, not what you desire. It is a law of action, the law of karma. When something pitiable seen and confronts you, let your intellect assess it and let, it con let you control your surface emotion. Do not let your emotion cloud your intellectual judgment. You must be in control. This person's on the street. I'm not sure what he's done. Sure, if I can help, I will help. But he's been there for six months. He has to help himself. He's happy to be on the street. He's getting, earning more money. Some people are earning more money on the street than people go to work. I was going to say, sometimes with your emotion, pity, and you take an action, but the opposite person won't see it as help or assistance. You're actually hindering whatever their plan is. He's getting enough money. Why does he want to get out of the street? So how does this cause and effect work? So uh, Swamiji gives an, um, an extreme example, a true, true example, yeah? So he was saying that when, when in his house they have a big garden and kids get together to play. So a boy playing in his back garden, he, what he was he doing? You know the cent centipedes, the hundred leg. He was smashing centipedes with a rock. So Swamiji went and told him, look, you know, don't do it. He tried to educate him. So he shouldn't do this. He didn't listen. And then at the end, Swamiji said, don't come and play here. You know, leave. Many years later, he was in the, this child was now an adult. He was in the last year of medical college. He was on a motorbike overtaking a lorry, mot uh, a, um, a lorry carrying bricks, and the side accidentally opened up, 
and it fell on his legs and it smashed his legs. Both his legs. <coughs> True story. People ask, why did it happen to him? He was such a nice person. And he was a nice person, but this is a law of cause and effect. What can happen when it can happen? You don't know. And then you say, oh, why did this happen to me? You heard that one, Sanjay, before? So, we don't know what's happened, why something's happened to someone. What is the law of cause and effect? What you sow, you reap. Cause and effect. You put a potato seed in, what's going to come out? Potato, not a carrot. When it will happen, you don't know this cause and effect. Right now, you may be having effects from something that happened in the last past, past life. You don't know. When something bad happens to a person, you know he deserves it, but you don't show weak pity. Neither do you say you deserve it. You understand? This is, he may have done. He must have done something for this effect to have happened. You, know, you have that understanding. You don't say, "Yeah, you know, you must have done something." This happened. Nor do you feel weak pity. You have that understanding. So, in the case of things like natural disasters, where you know they're thought to be inherently like random. Is that the effect of one person? No. Sorry. The effect is on lots of people. Yeah. So the cause is what, from one person or multiple people? It could be a group of people. Isn't, you know that you hear the example of a plane crashing, but there's like one survivor. <laughs> everyone else has passed, everyone else has died. Similar thing. Natural disasters. For example, in Nepal, I don't know, a couple of years ago, there was this earthquake. Devastation. Mm -hmm. How many people died? You know in Nepal, they kill, on one day, they, they kill millions of animals in one day, the highest amount in one day, as sacrifice. And all Hindus, by the way. Mm -hmm. Nepal is Hindu. It's a, it's in fact, Nepal is a, a Hindu country. And so I think it's the only Hindu country in the world, Nepal. India is a secular state. Nepal is an Indian, a Hindu country. So earthquake happens, loads of, so many people died. Cause and effect. We cannot say what cause they put in, but this is law of nature. So you have to have that understanding. I'll give you basic examples that we understand of cause and effect. You overeat, not careful what you eat, what will happen? Gain weight. You become unhealthy, cause and effect, no? So I'm talking simple terms here. Yeah. Cause and effect. 
You exercise, jog every day, careful what you eat. Will you be overweight and health and unhealthy? Simple cause and effect. Your boss is cruel and nasty to you, and all your colleagues at work. He is dishonest. He cheats his customers. Something similar happens to him. Doesn't he deserve it? Why would you feel pity? You understand, this is cause and effect. What goes around comes around. People don't understand that. And they do certain actions without understanding what are we doing. Every cause has an effect, every effect a cause. This is a law, the law of karma. You can't get away with it. So what does that mean? Everything that happens to you and happening to you in life, good or bad, you deserve it. You deserve it. All of us. So understand that. <coughs> Very important statement. Whatever is happening to you, you deserve it. God, why me? What did I do to get this? Why is happening to me? Now you have, now you know why. Good or bad, yeah, we're talking about not just bad. We're talking about good and bad. So your 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 destiny is in your hands. How do you want your future to be? Put in the right cause now, and your future will be, the effects of that will be in the future. We'll see where God, next, where God will take me. God's not taking you nowhere. It's in your hands, where you want to go. It's the effect of your past, own past action. So you have to think, use your intellect before you act. What am I doing? Is this the right action? What will be the effect? Don't be impulsive. Any questions on that? This is a true understanding of life. You follow this, your life is set. From today onwards, think before you act. Whatever that may be. Any questions? In some people's eyes, that view can be quite harsh because your same person in a certain situation is because of the cause. Like, I mean, I've heard it more recently somewhere where someone put a comment up, and it was to do with Vedanta teachings and things. I can't accept my child was born this way because of their karma. I don't, you know, they're quite dismissive of the teachings as such. So you can only, only a person who understands the statement can accept it. It's not for everyone. You can't, exp you can't even say this to anyone who doesn't have an understanding. It wouldn't be right. This has happened. Do you know why? It's not right. 
let them understand it themselves. They will find out one day themselves. It's not up to you to tell them. It's for you to understand and impl implement it in your own life. Yeah. It's to implement it in your own life, not to tell any other, anybody else. You can do more harm it, because they may not have, have an understanding of it. So don't mention it to anyone, but just understand it for yourself. You can change your future from this law. Sometimes we see there's still a lot of, like, include lots of charity and still happen to them who was that still. So, Bella, can you speak up and tell everyone what you just said? <laughs> you know, sometimes um, we can see there are lovely people that do the more charity yeah. and helping the people, everything. But sometimes we see still they suffer. Why? Why? Which brings us nicely to the next topic, charity. <laughs> Your question will be answered. A charitable disposition enriches life. You are rich by what you give. The only right you can claim in this world is to give. You may give wealth or service, feeling or knowledge. The spirit of giving provides you with the happiness you seek in the world. Nevertheless, you blunder in seeking happiness through asking, talking, taking, oh, sorry, taking, prayer and worship has been reduced to licensed beggary. People all over the world pray for success or progress, wealth or health, poverty or progeny. Their list of desires and demands is endless. They do not realize the futility of such prayer. No sooner the spirit of asking, taking enters you, it destroys whatever little peace and happiness you possess. You are unaware that yourself is supreme. The kingdom of heaven lies within you. You are a monarch, no beggar. You need not ask for anything. You have everything. You have only to realize that. You then develop the spirit of charity to share, to give. You are rich by what you give. The only right you can claim in this world is to give. Most people want to do what? Take rather than give. We have so much, especially here in the West, but our thoughts are, are <coughs> always on if only I get that. We pray. What do we pray for? Thing. What do we pray when we pray? More. Huh? Just more of everything. More of everything. We pray for things constantly. We're begging. It's like we're begging. Begging to who? Beggar on the street has a bowl. We do this and beg. No? Yeah. Only difference. Money, child, health, world peace. It's still begging. Yeah, but it's not only benefiting you. 
so it's going to benefit the world. So it's not really begging, it's asking, it's hoping. But you're still asking. There's nothing wrong in asking. If you don't ask, you won't get. But you have everything, that's what it's saying. But you're not asking for yourself, you're asking for everyone. So it's okay to ask if you're not asking for yourself? Yes. What did we discuss in the last chapter? <laughs> Cause and effect. Who are you to say, give me world peace? It's not up to you. But is that not a good thing though? You're it is a good thing if you're able to do it. But if you by are. your prayer you it's going to happen. Yeah, but you are. You're hoping that your prayer will give that world peace. So how can that okay. be a, a bad thing? So I think, um, if I recall, Swamiji gave the example where, you know, you, it, it's your ego. Like if, you know, it's you saying like, like the higher power doesn't know what's good for the world, first world and person. And so who are you Thank you, you Sanjay. Um, who are you to say, keep world peace? The world is functioning without your prayers. Thank you very much. Doesn't need your prayers. But that act is making you feel better. So yeah. yeah. So it's for you yourself. You're doing that. Right? Definitely. Am I right in saying there is an ordainer looking after the world? He knows more than you what the world needs. So why are we taught then to pray? Is it for us only, just to... What are you praying for? This is the thing, no? There's a whole chapter on prayer, by the way. You know those books you bought for me from India? One of the books is just prayer. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm yeah? sure, but I want the answer like now. <laughs> well, okay, let's ask. Why, what, would you, what do you pray for? Anita's saying, why are we taught to pray then? Pray has got power, so we pray. Unselfish act. Pray. Why do we pray then? What is prayer for? Focus is concentration at that time, that moment that you're meant to be to, to focus on something. The way we pray, like obviously with idols and so forth, is allowing you to focus. <coughs> very subjective isn't it? It is very prayer. subjective. So what I pray for could be very different to what you pray for depending and also depending on the scenario or situation at that moment in time. So for example if somebody who is very close to me is suffering then I might pray for them and say please help this person on that particular day or moment in time. But another time, I might be suffering with something and I'll be praying for support and guidance with that. So it's really subjective. It changes from day to day what we pray for, isn't it? But it's still very much the focus is on about what we feel we, we need to help us to feel better because if I'm praying for that person that I want help for, if that person miraculously is better the next day, I'll be thinking, I'm so much more happier now. But the following day, I'll be thinking something else. 
Now I need to pray for this now. It's very subjective, isn't it? See, we're taught to pray from young. Yeah. It's just a mechanical thing that we do every day now, isn't it? It's part ingrained in us, prayer. But the fact is, what are we praying for? It's normally, whatever we're praying for is for ourselves. This is what they're saying. It's always, big. it's always praying for something for ourselves. Let my son pass his exams. You studied hard, he will pass his exams. You haven't studied, no matter how many prayers you do, he's not going to pass the exams. It's become license begging. This is what they're saying. We're not saying don't pray, but pray in the right way. We're not covering that. It stops us from appreciating what we already have. Because we think when God fulfills that prayer, then we'll be happy. But we don't look at what we already have. Especially here in the West, we have everything. Pray, say thank you for everything I have. That's a good prayer. That's going to help you to appreciate what you have. But when you're praying for things, doesn't matter what it is, you're not appreciating what you already have. Thank you, God. I have my health. I have wealth. Lovely partner. We're going to talk about... You can end up praying and not doing the action to get what you want. So you're not focusing on yeah. getting there, so as you said. You want something? Ask God, help me. I'm aiming to do charity work. Help me, support me. It's a positive thing. We are already Puripurna. You know what this means, Puripurna? We are already complete. We are already complete. We are already full. We have everything we need. There is nothing we need. But we don't know. That's why we do this. We don't know it. We're already complete, full, happy. The person's sitting in a cave with nothing and you ask him, what do you want? He'll say, I don't need anything, I've got everything I need. That means he's realized that he's full. He doesn't <coughs> need anything else. So charity, what can we give? What can you give? What can we give as charity? Time. Time. Service. What else? Knowledge. Knowledge. Yeah. What else? Experience. Experience. Kindness. Kindness. What's the main thing people give? Wealth. What's the most important, you think, in charity to give? Time. Time. You said time? Time? Time and service. Time and service. Same thing? Yeah. What else can you... So many ways you can give. How do you decide what to give? Well, 
charity. You know, we're gonna we're gonna read you this poem. You you read this poem, anything? I don't know how to give, what to give. You know, I'm not gonna give anything. <laughs> the right way to give. You can give money, service, feelings, emotions, knowledge. How do you decide? You evaluate the person's needs and then give. That's proper giving. Must be also about what your capacity is. You'll only give based on your capacity. No, so for example, when you say about knowledge and time or service, for example, you might think that actually you're not knowledgeable in the field that they want mm -hmm. or require, so... You may, you, may need some, you may know someone who, ha who is. Yeah. yeah, so you direct them. So you have to evaluate. Mm -hmm. What you've just said is you, you may not be qualified to give that person what they need. But there you've evaluated. That's the difference. Person's a, a, a woman's a, a person's husband dies. Giving her money is not going to help her, is it? What does she need? Emotional support. Emotional support. So you have to this. Work out what does this person need, and then you give. But she could be needing both. Then you give both. If you're in a capacity, you may not be in a capacity to give money. You may only be in capacity to give support. So you have to, what they're saying is you have to give them a person. You have to evaluate what a person needs before you make a charitable donation. Or you, you do charity. You have to decide and work out with your intellect what does this person need. They may, they may need many more things. So you have to decide. So there are several stories in the scriptures of great souls who have nothing and are beggars but completely content in life. They have nothing. They feel helpless when someone asks what can I give you. There is a story of a sage who lived in total contentment, peace and bliss. Two gestures summed up his life. He gave, he forgave. He was a picture of selflessness, with no like or dislike, no desire or expectation. Lord Shiva and consort Arvati, pleased with the sage's devotion, descended upon earth to bless him. The good man was then mending his torn clothes. He prostrated to the divine visitors. Shiva offered him a boon to ask for anything he needed. The sage spoke with all devotion. My Lord, you have provided me with everything. There is nothing I lack that I may ask thee. Ironically, he had no possession and was living on arms. Upon Parvati's insistence, Shiva pressed him to choose a boon. The sage felt helpless. His eyes then fell upon the clothes he was stitching. He brightened up and asked, My request is that the thread should follow the needle. This is an example. No, let's stop now. What a state to get to. 
Shiva said, what do you want? Anything you want, I'll give you. He doesn't know what to ask for. He has nothing. He lives on arms, goes begging for food. And God is asking, what would you like? Most of us will have a big list. (laughs) 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 This, then I want that. Don't forget that. Oh yes, and this also. You have nothing. You don't need anything. This person said, okay, I don't know what to ask for. Shiva insisted, look, Parvati is going to give me a hard time. You better ask for something. I can't leave here without giving you something. So please ask. Then he saw the needle and said, let the thread follow the needle. He was put in an awkward situation. What to ask? I have everything. Puripurna. Fully content. Doesn't need anything in his life. Can you imagine a state like that? Can we? So this knowledge of the self, your true nature, your real personality, gets you to this state. You just have to put in the right effort to realize this. So as you embark on this study, what the effect of that study you'll find is that your desires start reducing. Automatically your desires start reducing as you study this subject. Sunday, you've been studying for how many years? Ten. Ten years. Would you agree with that? Just automatically your desires start reducing. You start feeling more happy, more content. Without you putting any effort in, automatically this is the effect of studying this subject. Which is looking at me like, yeah, right. No. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, this yeah. is what happens. He's not a plant, he just decided to come today. <laughs> he goes to another class. <laughs> This is what happens. So, this sage has reached that state completely. We're on the path. That's the end result. Just have to put in the right effort. Okay. Any questions, by the way? Okay. This is is an example of the lives of enlightened souls. The scriptures have many such episodes which display their total helplessness when it comes to asking, receiving. They live a life of absolute fulfillment, desiring nothing, expecting nothing. Try to emulate their outstanding stature. Realize that nothing in the world can provide you with peace and happiness and learn the art of giving. Take the position of a giver. You become a pers- personification personification of joy and happiness. Practice this in the marketplace, in the street, at work, at home, everywhere. Be you governor or governed, employer or employee, husband or wife, parent or child. You should occupy the position of a bestower, never a petitioner. Think and act in the best interest of the other person. 
live life with the attitude of après vous. Oh, après vous. Après vous. It's French, French meaning after you. After you, after you, you then become the nucleus of happiness. This is the law. Follow this law and the complexion of the world changes. There is then purity, beauty and joy in life. So it's just an attitude. You don't have to physically give anything to anyone. Yeah, we don't actually give anything. The attitude is, how can I serve? How can I give? Attitude of after you. So we must develop this attitude in all areas of our life. Unselfishness, basically. That's what it boils down to. This whole subject is based on unselfishness. You have this attitude, and the result is you are happy and peaceful. This is a law of life. You have this attitude, you become peaceful and happy. And that's what everyone's looking for. It's telling you how to, how to get peace and happiness. Just be unselfish. Cause and effect. This is how all the laws work. You're unselfish, you want to give, what's going to happen? You're going to gain. Automatically. Without asking. That's all we have to do. See, everything is pointing towards that. Kindness is all the world needs. Unselfishness. Be good to everyone. Be kind. Be charitable. This leads you to the goal of that sage. That Where that sage is, that's where we end up by doing all these things. He's following all these laws of life. You may not work any more than what you're already working, but mentally you're saying, "What can I? How can I serve my company?" They might say you're doing enough. Keep on doing it. But your attitude is that: How can I serve? Normally, the attitude is: How can I work the least amount? How can I serve? So you use that attitude, as Sanjay said, how can I serve in the company, in the environment? But you take that attitude at home as well. How can I serve my partner, my family, my parents, my neighbor? So both of you will be serving each other. <laughs> it's a general attitude. You have that attitude and you become happy and peaceful. You may not do anything extra, but you become peaceful and happy. No mental agitations. Can you imagine the harmony in the house? Everyone wants to serve each other. <laughs> huh? Really? Can you imagine? I am. Is it working? 
use it. So this is the law. You have it. Imagine you have that at home. How can there be a, any arguments? How can there be any unhappiness in the in the family unit if everyone's attitude is to help? Only argument is no. I want to help. No, no. You must. I'm, it's my turn to help. <laughs> That's the only argument that can happen. Okay, let's do it together. It all goes back to you just do what you ought to do. Exactly. Fulfill your obligations. <coughs> See, the mind comes into it. Selfishness comes into it. It's, we bought, we gen, generally tend to think in that way because the world is like that. It wasn't like that all the time. So, Bela's question about charity, fourth paragraph. Charity does not mean indiscriminate dispension of wealth. The world comprises, comprises. The world comprises two types of people. The vast majority is far from being charitable. The rest indulge in unintelligent charity. Indiscriminate charity has resulted in a lot of misery. It has bred respectable beggars in society. True charity emanates from proper judgment of the intellect, not something that oozes out of a weak emotion of the mind. In its purest form, charity has the distinction of benefiting the, the donee the the as well as not just the donor. So, what he's saying is, as we already discussed, you have to think before you give. You have to evaluate what the person's needs. Charity is not practiced much in the world. 90% don't do charity. And the 10% that do charity do it indiscriminately, without thinking. So it doesn't actually meet the needs of the poor people in the world. When you perform charity, it's supposed to benefit not only the person you're giving, but you, the giver, as well. That's how charity works. The person who's giving, as well as the person who's receiving, both benefit from it. So we talk about this, we've discussed this before in La Miserable. Do you know what that? Yeah. Victor Hugo, in his novel, The Miserables, highlights the benefaction that charity brings to a donee. In the exceptional charity of a priest to a convict, the convict escaped from prison, sought shelter for a night, the priest obliged, and gave him supper and a bed to sleep. The convict silently accepted the good man's hospitality. In the middle of the night, he decamped with the silver plates of the house. The next morning, he was brought in by the police who had caught him. The priest feigned surprise and embarrassed the policeman. Why did you harass him? I gifted the plates to him last night. The policeman apologized and left. The convict was astounded. To crown it all, the priest picked up two solid silver candlestick stands from his desk and gave them to the convict with these resounding words of wisdom. Remember, life is to give, not to take. 
The convict took them and departed. Thence he was transformed into a divine person. He became a symbol of service and sacrifice. Search would be the outcome of true charity. See how it benefits when you give a person. The priest intellectually understood what the person did <coughs> and then gave it. He never actually ever sold any of those things if you watch the movie. He always kept it as his prized possession. He wasn't a bad person, he was a good person. He became a convict purely because he stole some bread because his children needed it. That's the only thing he did. So he was never a bad person. But he was in prison for like 15 years. And that's what he, that's what he learned from there, that this is the only way to behave, is to steal. But that act of kindness, of charity, transformed him back into the original person he was, even more divine. If you watch the movie, then all he does is charity work afterwards. So you have to intelligently understand what does this person need. And when you give, you get the benefit of knowing that you've helped someone properly. Likewise, the donor is blessed with the effect of charity. Sacrifice is a synonym for success. for success. So is charity for prosperity. Aswami Rama Tita proclaims, The way to gain anything is to lose it. The more you run after wealth, the more it recedes. The more you crave for it, the more it eludes you. Leave it alone. It follows you. Work dispassionately. The reward of work courts you. So, leave it alone, it will come to you. You put in the right effort, it will come to you, isn't it? You put in the right cause, it will come to you. You just run after it without putting in the effort. It's not going to happen, is it? You pray, you, put it, you, all, you do everything opposite of actually working. Give me wealth, give me wealth. You know, you've all heard that. Uh, it goes around in the WhatsApp, you know, man is praying for wealth, 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 to win the lottery. The God at the end says, look, I'm happy to help you, but at least buy a lottery ticket. You've all heard that one before. Same thing. You have to put in the right action. So when you give charity, you get rewarded. Charity, sacrifice, the cinnamon for success. You will prosper. You may not prosper in gaining money, but you will prosper in gaining mental calmness, peace of mind. You can't buy that with money, by the way. You get that charitable action should be done without the expectation. Of yes, it's an effect, automatic effect. So when you say, so many people are doing charity, why they don't, because they're doing charity for the wrong reason. They're not thinking before they're doing the charity. They may be doing it for name, fame. You don't know what they're doing it for. 
so therefore the effect will be different. The phenomenon of colors illustrates this law of life. Light is constituted of seven vibratory colors. When an object is bathed in light, the seven colors impinge upon it. When the object absorbs, takes in all seven, it appears black. In effect, it loses all the colors. Whereas when the object does not take in any color, it gives away the seven colors, it appears white. When an object appears blue, it has actually given away blue and taken in other six. It appears in the color it parts with. An object gains the color it gives away. Learn this lesson from nature. You gain what you give away. Watch you sacrifice, not what you take. Agranatize. Develop the spirit of dispassion, renunciation. You turn pure, divine. Whereas you aggradize, amass wealth. You turn impure, demonic. This is the law. Oliver Goldsmith puts forward this idea succinctly, where wealth accumulates, men decay. Rishi, can you explain that phenomenon of colors? Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, colors are just whatever, because we only see whatever's reflected on. So to see that, if you absorb all, every single color, you're, um, you appear black. Because there's no, there's, the appearance is there's no light coming from you to be received. Um, and then if you have all the colors, you're, you're the pale white because all the, everything's being reflected off. So your father's t-shirt is yellow. How, why is that yellow? It's absorbing every other color except yellow. So it's giving out yellow. Yeah. That's why it's yellow. It's absorbing everything else. So whatever you give, you get back. So in, in nature, this is how it, it works. It gives away, and you see the color. It black means it taken everything, all the colors. It doesn't reflect any color. An object gives away red, you see red color. It's hard to conceive and practice it. Moment you think of service, how can I serve, give, everything comes to you. The moment you think of gaining, gathering, it's a matter of time, you lose it. That's the law. When wealth accumulates, men decay, meaning the personality becomes poor, the attitude becomes poor, they start degenerating men mentally. It's mine. Hey, don't, don't even try it. This is all mine. Yeah, you become even poorer. How? No peace of no peace of mind. No happiness. Constantly worried. What if they take this? What if someone takes that? No peace, no sleep. They don't understand, so they carry on. Name, fame, power, everything. It doesn't mean only rich people. It's talking about any accumulation. You may accumulate whatever you're accumulating. Someone has 20 watches. The lady in Indonesia, was Marcos, she had what, 5,000 pairs of shoes? You don't have this heart to share, you decay. She lost everything, by the way. 
just left with a life. There is no taboo in earning wealth, but when you accumulate at the expense of others, then you are in trouble. So, I'll finish off with this poem. It's a bit long. Just take whatever you can from it. It's by Khalil Gibran. He, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's a very, very famous poet. I mean, I've got a book about that thick of his uh, teachings. He's a Lebanese-American writer, poet, visual artist, also considered a philosopher. Born 6 January 1883 in Lebanon. He highlights what is true giving. Once you read this, you don't, want, you don't even know how to give. is part of the prophet by Khalil Gibran on giving. So, then said a rich man, speak to us of giving. And he answered, you give but little when you give of your possessions. It is when you give of yourself that you truly give. For what are your possessions but things you keep and guard for fear you may need them tomorrow? And tomorrow, what shall tomorrow bring to the overprudent dog bearing bones in the trackless sand as he follows the pilgrims to the holy city? And what is fear of need but need itself? Is not dread of thirst when, you, when your well is full, thirst that is unquenchable, desires he's talking about. There are those who give little of the much which they have, and they give it for recognition. And the hidden desire makes their gifts unwholesome. And there are those who have little and give it all. These are the believers in life and the bounty of life, and their coffer is never empty. There are those who give with joy, and that joy is their reward. And there are those who give with pain, and that pain is their baptism. And there are those who give and know not pain in giving, nor do they seek joy, nor give with mindfulness of virtue. Just giving. They give as in yonder valley the mitral breathes its fragrance into space. Though the hands of such as these gods speak, and from behind their eyes he smiles upon the earth. It is well to give when asked, but it is better to give unasked through understanding. And to the open-handed, the search for one who shall receive is joy greater than giving, and is there aught you would withhold. All you have shall someday be given. Therefore give now, that the season of giving may be yours, and not your inheritors. You often say, I would give, but only to the deserving, Trees in your orchard say not so, nor the flocks in your pasture. They give that they may live, for to withhold is to perish. Surely he who is worthy to receive his days and his nights is worthy of all else from you. And he who deserves to drink from the ocean of life deserves to fill his cup from your little stream. And what desert, what desert greater shall then be than that which lies in the courage and the confidence, nay, the charity of receiving?
see first that you yourself deserve to be a giver, an instrument of giving. For in truth it is life that gives unto life, while you who deem yourself a giver are but, are but a witness. It goes on a little bit more, but I won't go any further. I think that's enough to uh, take in. You can read this, it's on the internet. Khalil Gibran on giving. See, um, you read all that and you think, where do I start? There's a few points in there which you can uh, Google and read what it means. So that point about giving, when you pass away, the inheritors are going to get it. Yeah. They may give, they may not. Why not give now? Reap the benefits yourself. Every, the whole world gives, nature gives, the rose gives smell, fragrance, sunlight gives sunlight, Every, the whole of nature gives trees, bear fruit. <coughs> if they don't give, they suffer. You cannot carry on growing. Apple tree, if it, it doesn't let, release the apples, it'll die. How is it going to grow more? So life is to give, not to take. Any questions? It's food for thought, isn't it?